0: Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Thursday's show.
1: Let me get my headphones off. There we go. Vince had the volume down. Let's have young ears, that Vince Vetrano, because I couldn't hear myself. That is a prerequisite for... Great broadcasting. Welcome to the Thursday Show, as I've said. i get to my show polls in a second, had a nice dinner out last night, Double B's Barbecue in West Dallas. An old friend, Dave. Hadn't seen him in probably 30 years. I encourage you to do that. I've done a lot of that recently. I've got together with some high school buddies. Obviously last night's. Reconnect. It's illuminating. Get you out of that bubble that is unfortunately infected. Our group, Psyche, as Americans in this great country that we call the United States of America. All right, so I have double show polls today on this Thursday edition. I say, why not do it twice? Twice is nice. Double trouble. Two for Tuesday, but it's not Tuesday, it's Thursday. Two for Thursday. All right, so I'm going to get to some of these as topics today. One, I just had fun, and I'll get to the bonus poll in a second. So let me pull them up. All right, so number one, and... I'm going to touch on it today, and we're going to get to it a little bit deeper on Monday with uh, that new segment that I have once a month with anything but sports with Anna and Jesse. That's at 1108 on Mondays, along with Carol Kane, legend, legendary broadcaster, in Milwaukee. So here's my poll, first poll today. You can find it at 620 WTMJ or at WTMJ Steve. New polling research suggests most Americans view the word woke, W-O-K-E, as a positive term. Hmm, somewhat surprising. Are you woke enough to believe that? And I had some fun with the answers. That's funny, not. Currently at 34%. We should all be woke, 37%, the leader on the course right now. And woke is the new hip. And then I put dumb in there, 19%. With a selected group of comments, which I'll quickly sample. Uh, Jeff says, I think woke could be positive or negative. Depends on the tone and context when the term is used. And you can join the conversation. As always, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Richard says, I can't answer this until someone defines woke. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Because if it means advocating for a cause, everyone does it. If it means progressive, then it is being used as a derogatory term and making things more divisive. Clarity from Richard. Well done, sir. Uh, Then he adds, people need to stop. Just stop. And uh, hashtag, what is woke? Tobias. When I woke up this morning it was a positive thing. Man, that's an early clubhouse leader for Text of the Day. Not yet. Not yet, but early Clubhouse leader. My goal is to sponsor Text of the Day and then we'll have a prize for Text of the Week. See what I'm see where I'm going with that, Producer Brand? Are you awake back there? Yeah, I'm just checking. Make sure you're awake. I know you got a busy schedule. Up at what two o'clock in the morning now? Is that is that the schedule?
0: That's that's correct. Yeah, 2 I'm, in... I'm monitoring the Aaron Rodgers situation over uh, here. Oh,
1: good, good. Stay on. I'll
0: it. keep you up to date
1: because we'll go full we'll go full metal jacket. We I mean. will. Oh yeah. yes. I yeah. don't know if we'll get an answer today or a solution, but I'll keep you up to date. Could be today or tomorrow. That's what Vince Vitrano told me. And
2: if and if you're if you have my luck and radio luck, it's going to be Saturday. Morning. Yeah.
1: Well, it gives you all week to write an extra points. That's, that's uh, you know, game changer. Because if you can come out a fresh. Fresh take on that on a Saturday for Monday. Good luck to you. Speaking of extra points, the Badger game
0: yesterday. Ah, never mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, <laughs> I was going to stay away from that. <laughs> I, I, my our, our teammate Brian D. said they don't belong in the tournament. You know what? I agree with Brian D. 18 points in the first half? Yeah, I mean, c- come on. And, then, and especially when you know what's at stake. But I'm not a sports show. All right. Maybe the Badgers need to get woke. Maybe that's the problem. All right. So a few more comments <laughs> uh, on the woke question. Uh, zippity doo Louis, uh, a, a conversation that Jeff had on the show yesterday, Disney's decision to scrub that out of the mix. Oh my goodness, Disney! And I like Disney, but come on, uh, Mike. Michael Wayne says, "I don't even know what that means. I do not care." Mike, Mike, get in the game. Big conversations happening around you. Somebody called the Marsum Marsum Marsumecca Marsumecca. To me, the way the word woke the word woke is used. Is a narrative would much rather have enlightenment, which to me equals truth. That's a deep one. That's a deep response to a tweet. Uh, never understood the term. It seems to be a word used for an opinion you don't like. All right, so that's topic number one today. Now, it's all prompted by a story that I found in thehill.com. Here's the headline Most in new poll. And again, take polling, as my teammate Jeff Wagner says, with a grain of salt. He also says, I didn't just fall off a turnip truck. I haven't heard him say that recently, though. Does he still say that? Do you know? I don't know. I have, to find, I have to listen to his podcast. Available wherever you get podcasts Apple, Spotify, other places. All right. So just I'll read a little bit from this. I want to hear what you have to say about this, this woke concept. starts like this A majority of Americans in a new poll have a positive association with the term woke understanding it to mean here's the definition to be informed, educated on and aware of social injustices is that your definition? a new USA Today Ipsos poll released yesterday found that 56 percent of us agreed with the more positive definition while 39 percent had a negative associate with the word their definition according to this story and this poll overly political correct, in order to police other people's words. I'm I'm kind of more in the latter, because I'm not a fan of those kinds of words. I have a joke that I always say to my wife whenever I try to be trendy. I say, I'm hip. Hip is just the earlier version of woke, no? You're hip. You're hip to that stuff. You're hip to the social injustices. You're hip to the music. You're hip to the trends of the culture that we live in. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. What do you think of this poll? Do you agree that most of us, you know, 56%, hell, in Wisconsin, that's a landslide, think that uh, woke is the way to go? Your thoughts, and some more of mine after this. Are you woke in a positive sense, educated, informed, aware, or do you see this as an attack on our culture and the things we like, overly... Politically corrects policing our words. I did a piece of the show yesterday on the uh, word police. Words matter. They do. And you're tearing all the words away from us. Let's start it off with Rome calling from Milwaukee. Happy Thursday, Rome.
3: Happy Thursday. Good morning, my brother. Good morning to Good morning, there, Radio Land. Uh, this, this term, woke, is just another word or term that's used to further uh, separate us. Uh, when you look in terms of the term, when you look in terms of the number number of times that uh, any of the hosts on Fox News use the term "woke" during the course of a day, you'll see that they're using that negatively. I'm using "woke" as a term of I'm glad I woke up this morning. Now, hip and woke, there's a difference. All right, tell being me what that woke, difference is. That difference is being hip was a lifestyle. Uh, you know, you were hip because you listened to jazz, or you were hip. Because, you you know, you were up on, on what was going on in the culture. You lived that lifestyle of going to a jazz club or reading those, reading information that was going to make you more enlightened. You know, being hip was a lifestyle. Woke is just a term that is basically being used in a negative light.
1: All right. Let me ask you a question, Rome. Knowing me in the radio sense, am I hip? Am I woke in the negative, woke in the positive? What Describe me. You're hip.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know what's up. You know hey. what time it is. You know you're living the you're, you're living the hip life. You know you're not someone that's fronting on everybody's time. You tell the truth. You're seeking the truth, and you don't bite your tongue. All
1: right, that's going to show up in a promo room. That's, that's going to show up in one of our promos. It's so good. Thanks for the call, Rome. Starts us off like a champion. Love that. All right, Dave from really cool city, Whitewater. I like Whitewater. Hey, Dave. Hey, morning. Morning.
4: Hey, uh, I actually kind of agree with Rome. Um, I, I'm kind of old school. The Webster Dictionary definition of, of, of woke is basically being aware of racism and social injustices. Right. Um, and it's right-wing media that's been demonizing it. I mean, I follow politics pretty closely, and my wife doesn't. I ask her, hey, you know what woke means? She says, I have no idea. Um, but I see it used as a derogatory term by right-wing media, I think, um, they're working pe- on changing the definition to basically mean anything that the left does that they don't like. So they're not, they're, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Chris Ruffo, who's a Republican strategist that's been working on changing definitions of words. Like Tell me
1: about RT. him. Tell me about him.
4: And, well, um, he's been on Fox News several times. Um, you can see him on Twitter. Um, he's actually tweeted that um, he's, He's working on doing this. He's working on. He, he's got a, a tweet saying how they're going to take CRT and, and make it so that um, a word that's going to be people are going to see it as a negative. And now he's doing the same thing with woke. Well, mm. it's, it's, uh, it's an actual campaign, and it works. I mean, if you're going to get votes for Republicans, let's let's have these these you know they're they're. Um, um, doing things with their kids in school, they are with these woke things.
1: I mean, they wouldn't do them if they didn't work. And the argument that's been made you know, about schools is that you're teaching kids things that don't focus on the real things they need to learn, which is reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's a great argument whether or not you can also teach some of the other things that matter, like U.S. history and the impact of slavery well, we should, and all that in, in our machine. nation. I think it's important.
4: Yeah, but like you look at what DeSantis uh, is doing in Florida, where he, he wants to... Get rid of AP uh, African Studies courses, African American Studies courses. Um, I don't think this is this is just divisiveness to get votes for Republicans. So they paint positive things in a bad light to get votes.
0: All right, appreciate the call, Dave. I mean, Dave
1: laid it out there. It's a elect elected officials strategy. He talked about a specific individual that's on Fox News occasionally. And I'd sample Fox, but I wasn't familiar with the name. But it shows you this word, this four-letter word. I showed you or told you about a poll that says 56% of Americans think it's a positive term. But there's a sense that on the other side of that argument, the negative connotation is is a powerful tool for elected officials. Mike from Illinois joins the show. Hey, Mike, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, brother.
5: Uh, thanks for putting me on. Um, it's so funny you bring this up because uh, I was visiting my mom and dad on Sunday and my mom asked me, she's like, um, uh, do you think woke is a, do you have a negative connotation for woke or positive? I said a hundred percent negative. <laughs> um, I echo what you said. Um, I think obviously woke was, you know, started by, you know, liberals that tried to act like they were enlightened. And I think they're absolutely incorrect with what they say is out there. I don't think there's much, as much racial injustice as they like to, uh, propagate um i think that it does divide us and i think that yeah the the right i don't know if they're trying to get votes but they certainly um have a negative connotation as as do i and i also think you're hip steve
1: ah there we go thanks for the call mike as always too hip to trip (laughs) i could not think of a rhyme (laughs) that's my deficiency that would make me not hip actually my wife would say my wife my lovely wife kathy all right so do you have a thought on this I, we've had some great calls already and some compliments got to love that and coming out of the gate on Thursday woke positive negative I would argue that it can be both right so I would hope that I'm informed right educated aware of social issues I don't need to I don't need to use the term woke to be that certainly to classify myself that way but I also stand understand the power of that political tool of using the term woke to just kind of blow up any arguments, any system that you don't like. 855 616 1620. Just getting warmed up on this Thursday edition right here in WTMJ. Lots of people jumping in on the old National Bank talk and text on the tech side of things. Had some great calls already. Steve, I think people over 55 or 60 have a negative connotation with the term woke. The younger folks who believe in climate change, women's rights, etc., use the term to demonstrate their buy-in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, maybe we should start, this is from the 262, maybe we should start calling it empathy instead of woke, because anti-woke always lacks empathy. I can make the argument for both sides. I want to be educated, informed, and, and aware of the issues. But the reason the, the branding of the term on the negative side, the negative connotation, works, because it's an, it's an effective tool. Politically. You made a word that was innocence, I woke up. I am woke to social justice issues and made it a negative. So when somebody hears that term now, oh, not to be trusted, he's woke or she's woke. So if I'm going to blow up the language police for scrubbing words like blind or stand, because not everybody can stand up, then i got to blow up that too as well, using it in, in that sort of context. Um, 920, I like the definition you gave of woke with the awareness of today's culture. However, my initial exposure to wokeness and its associations are negative. Put me with the 37%. Now, it is it does separate by political affiliation. Republicans, almost to the, I think, 7 out of 10, I don't have that right, up right now, but I think it's like 60-some percent think it's negative. And Democrats have, a, have slightly higher than the total number of, of positives, which was 56%. Um, 414 I've been on this earth for 63 years And I'm not changing anything for anyone younger than me Just like bringing up my kids I'm the parent, they're the child I tell them they listen, and they do Eddie Eddie's got it figured out, man Not going to say he doesn't Alright, after the break the, um, the wokeness of taking credit for political things Wisconsin edition Bring it up a little bit, a little dance mix on a Thursday. Come on, let's let's uh, increase the temperature in the room. Why not? The bosses don't like it to come running down those stairs. Well, they won't run. You run down those stairs, you're going to break your neck. Moving day. It is moving day. The <laughs> building. A lot of people. A lot of desk moving going on in this place. We're growing so much that there people are like. I, that's why I'm glad I don't have a desk. If you have a desk, you're like moving every month. It's it's insane. But I I'm a fan of, of no desks. It invigorates you. It encourages your creativity. Trust me on this. You don't need a desk. You can put those pictures on your desk at home. All right. Just for fun, before I get to the serious stuff, um, this is a topic on Monday's show. So I've alluded to the woke topic we're going to do with uh, Anna and Jesse, or anything but sports segment on Monday. This is another one that Carol and I going to chew on on Monday. Where's the biggest cult-like following? And don't go right to the negative. There are some negative connotations to that term, but don't don't just go there. Blind obedience, love everything about them. I'm defining it. Follow their news every day. So I gave you three choices on my bonus show poll. And if you're not on the Twits, on 620 WTMJ, you should be, first off. Or at WTMJ Steve, my page. Soaring well over 5,000 followers now. Maybe that's a cult. Maybe I should put myself on there. So I gave you three choices. Vastly different arenas of influence. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Of course, future Hall of Fame quarterback, seven-time Super Bowl winner, Patriots, Buccaneers. Tucker Carlson. He of the show with his own name on the Fox Not News Network. And, of course, the Donald, Donald Trump, President 45, host and creator of, I don't know if he's creator, but host of Celebrity Apprentice and Apprentice. Um, so those are the choices. And... You may say, Steve, and i say, what? (laughs) You'd say, why do you lump those three together? Vastly different. Sports, television, politics. Well, I mean, to quotes, I think it's an Eagles song, right? Hear what you want to hear, disregard the rest. These individuals, these men, oh, man, I probably could have put a woman in there, too, in National Women's Month. That's on me. Maybe I'll throw, maybe I'll update it. Who would I put in? Send your suggestions to 855-616-1620. Brady, Carlson, Trump. Who has the biggest cult-like following, and it doesn't have to be negative. I know that it has a negative connotation. But I gave you the definition. Blind obedience. Follow them all the time. Love their work. Do anything they tell you. Like Tom Brady would be, buy his underwear and buy cryptocurrency. Trump would be, vote for me and don't listen to all those other people who are saying I stole the election or or lied about stealing the election. Tucker Carlson, I don't know what to say about him. He's what was his latest one last night's? Everything's a lie. So therefore there are no lies. I mean, basically I'm paraphrasing, but that that's like where he's at now. He's like a cartoon character. Highly rated cartoon. Gotta give it up to him for that. So anyway, that's on Twitter at 620 WTMJ. Bonus poll on a conversation Carol and I will have on Monday. Who's the biggest cult-like following? Tom Brady, Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump. Vote early and often. Not often, just early. On Twitter or on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, and we will revisit that one on Monday. All right, so politics in Wisconsin. For all those people who say I don't talk about politics in Wisconsin. And I'm going to dig deeper on this with Tracy Johnson, occasional co-host for years. truly, president and CEO of Car W in Milwaukee and... Um, I say this in full confidence. She probably knows more people in leadership positions in the state than maybe anybody. Connected across political ideologies, business, community leaders. She's got it. So she'll join us about 10 away. So I saw this headline yesterday. And actually this morning. It was published last night, but I saw it this morning. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss says Tony Evers' $290 million brewers deal for long-term American family field improvements, likely dead. Popular term, acronym DOA, dead and arrival. And as I was reading the story, I'm thinking to myself, because Robin, is, Robin Voss who was on the show two weeks ago, actually has a plan to do this. Same, same sort of idea. His quote was, he told reporters at the Capitol, I imagine his plan is devised as dead, but hopefully a different plan will be able to come forward. Hmm. Voss said, I'm reading from the story now, would like to see another, oh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, by the way, that's the name of the local paper, in case you, you forgot it or don't like to say it. Uh, he would like to see another proposal put forward. and suggested he would back a longer-time commitment from the Brewers to stay in Wisconsin, than 13 years. If you remember, Evers' plan was, I think, eight more years. So why did I bring this up? Because it's an illustration of the absurdity of politics. Here's what a business leader would do. Here's what a smart local leader would do. Here's hopefully what a smart state or national leader would do. Regardless of politics. Again, it's a big ask, big leap of faith for modern politics. The leaders of the Assembly and the Senate and the governor of the state of Wisconsin, two Republicans, one Democrat, would get in a room and, and say, basically, again, simplifying the not-so-simple, what can we do to make sure the brewers are anchored in this market, in this state, for as long as possible? What can we, what can we do together? What plan could we craft? Because we know, I think confidently, that leaders in the Assembly and the Senate and maybe even some bipartisan support would say, you know what, that's a good thing. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan of just handing money to sports teams. There's got to be some serious, serious qualifiers to get the money, including a much longer commitment, which I think was what Robin Voss was alluding to. But the silliness of politics is that doesn't happen. And, you know, as much as I like acronyms, everything the governor says now is DOA on arrival in the Assembly of the Senate. So I would ask my friends, Robin Voss, Devin Lemahue, friends in the general sense, what possible other reason is there? to throw his plan out and just come up with your own plan, which is kind of basically the same thing, but with with your slight modifications. And why couldn't that be worked out in a room between legislative leaders in an informal sense? Take it to your bodies, right? Assembly, Senate. Hash it out amongst Democrats, Republicans, left, right. And a win for Wisconsin would be the result. A stadium, American Family Field, formerly Miller Park, that's maintained properly, still state of the art, still very cool for people to go to. I told the story earlier about meeting my old buddy Dave from a previous work life. And first thing you wanted to do is see Miller Park. Want to go to Miller Park? Well, I said it's not Miller Park anymore. It's American family field. And you would hope that when he does get there, it's going to be worth seeing. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. I just wanted to point it out because that's the absurdity of politics. On the actual issue, there's not that much disagreements. If if history is your guide, 2015, state legislature, Wisconsin, paid $4 million a year for 20 years to help fund the Bucks Arena. Now, in return for that, the state gets $6.5 million in tax revenue. And that, you know, at that time, there was a threat the Bucks would be leaving without a new arena. I don't know that we're, we're having that same conversation on brewers, but the argument is still valid. Why does it take this all or nothing, their, their idea sucks, our idea is brilliant and great, and, of course, the answer is politics. So my simple question for you is, why do we put up with this? We're told, they told me, both Governor Evers and Speaker Robin Voss, they are talking. Matter of fact, the governor said they talked recently. Then why in the world didn't you talk about this issue and come up with a bipartisan plan that we can all get behind, or at least as many people that we can rally if this is so important? And the answer is simply they don't want to. I got such smart listeners. One of my. Uh, Texture said, "It's from the boxer, Knucklehead." She didn't say Knucklehead. I'm saying
6: Knucklehead.
1: Let's play it for a little. Let's listen to it. I think it's in. The lyrics are in here. Let's listen. Thank you, for, Brandon, for finding that. By the way, who doesn't like Simon and Garfunkel? I saw them at County Stadium. Speaking of stadiums, back in the uh, early '80s. Were you even born then? '83? No, you weren't even born yet, right? Not even close. A glint, glint in the eye. When were you born?
7: 89.
1: 89. The end of 89. Wow. I was going to say I had underwear older than that, but I don't. That would be gross. I hope and, not. Yeah, and probably not fit for radio. Anyway, that's, it's from The Boxer. I was waiting for the lyrics, but they're later in the song. So The Boxer by... Now if that was Simon and Garfunkel or just Paul Simon. Because they have multiple, multiple songs that they share, one or the other. That was actually, we were talking about yesterday about the greatest concerts ever. That was one of the best I've ever seen. Because I think they had come back together, and uh, it was one of those concerts sitting on the grass at County Stadium. How cool was that? Smell of marijuana sifting through the air. Ice-cold Miller beer. Miller High Life, in my case. Mm. All right, so I asked a question, and you answered on the old National Bank Talk and Text line. So thanks for the correction there, uh, Lisa from Greenfield. You are a active... Loyal listener, I appreciate that. All right. Jack says, from Caledonia, why does state government have to pay companies to stay in Wisconsin? They do it all the time. All the time. Matter of fact, the federal government does, too. We just call it stimulus dollars or pandemic dollars. We wouldn't have airlines in this country, for the most part, if they hadn't done that. So everybody does it. Uh, Jack goes on to say, I can defend offering tax ex- incentives to build new facilities or move to Wisconsin. Once they are here, why should taxpayers pay a company to say It's certainly a valid point, and a lot of people agree with Jack. I would argue that one of the reasons we see legislators, state leaders, sign out of these is because they, they understand the cultural impact, the entertainment value of sports, the extra- Economic value from having a major sports franchise or franchises in our states Packers, Brewers, Bucks, throw the Admirals in as well. It matters. Quality of life. Sifting dollars into the local economies across the state. Carol says from Kewaskum I'm not a sports fan past high school sports. I live in rural Sheboygan County, never been to nor want to go to a Bucks, Brewers, or Packers game. That's rare. They are all overrated big boys playing schoolyard games. Look how long the Bradley Center was new before it suddenly needed to be replaced. How long will it be before AmFam becomes outdated and the Brewers will want another new stadium or threaten to leave? All great questions. Carol. All great questions. I would I would say basically that the argument is that a majority of state leaders and a majority of Wisconsin I'd say the value add to sports teams, professional sports franchises, is worth the investment. That's the only answer that I would go with. But going back to my original point, the only reason we're not there yet, and trust me, we'll get there, because the Brewers are a big draw in this state. Anybody who lives in Wisconsin knows that. And one of the reasons they put a retractable roof on that thing is so people from all around the state could enjoy it, travel down to Milwaukee, and enjoy a game, and not have a rainout impact their travel. That's one of the big reasons. One more, one or two more before we get to break here. Uh, Let's see. Jeff says, if any money from taxpayers goes to the the brewers, I think that we should should at least get the following. One, the ability to watch the games on regular broadcast television without having to pay for Spectrum cable or purchasing a technically flawed app. Two, lower ticket prices or three, improvements to parking. Um, Parking seems fine to me. I'm not sure what the, the beef is there. We have a lot of parking. Most stadiums don't have that much. Um, but, you know, fair points. Um, from the 760, thanks for the long-distance listen. I don't know about the ownership structure of the Brewers. Is it possible to reorganize and sell shares to the public the way the Packers do currently? That's rarefied air. Packers are a unique franchise. That's not going to be handed out willy-nilly to any other franchises, at least as far as I can tell, and I follow most of the major sports. Pretty rare thing. It's, it, what, it's what makes it possible besides incredible fan support, which the Packers have, to have a really competitive NFL football team in a city of, what, 102,000 people? That ain't happening again, folks. And the reason it, it is allowed to happen is that ability to do those stock sales and to, let's be honest, have that incredible fan worship. The politics of sports, the politics of stadiums, we still can't seem to get to a position where... Left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrats, Republicans can play in the sandbox together. And last time I checked, if you can't play in a sandbox together, your preschool teacher sends you to timeouts. Tough love? I don't think so. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday edition. This week is going so fast. Big snowstorm forecast looming over our heads here in Wisconsin. Hope it's fantastically brilliant weather wherever you are, Florida, Texas, California. You've been getting nailed, but you know, the good thing is you're going to have some water. You can use that to drink because you're running out. Uh, so thanks to all those folks tuning in. Want to always mention you can hear the, the commercial for the ad playing throughout the day. Our podcast now, thanks to producer Brandon available wherever you get podcasts, Apple, and Spotify, all the famous platforms where you can hear this show in its entirety without the commercials and news. You can hear specific interviews, some of our fun segments, Steve Ruled the World, which will be on tomorrow, which I haven't even started creating yet in my head, that mixed-up head of mine. Uh, Real quick, before we get to break, somebody said, why are you so hard on Robin Voss on this? What about Tony Evers? I don't think either one's doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is talking and finding bipartisan solutions for issues. Stop feeding into the the, uh, political war. Fake militaristic terminology about politics. Get a politician one-on-one, elected official, whatever term you want to use. What's your goal? could be lower taxes. Getting things done should be on the list. Right? Keeping Wisconsin residents happy, getting more people to move to Wisconsin. Well, on that last one, we're failing miserably, folks. Who's accountable for that? Legislature? Governor? Previous governor? Next governor? They're both at fault. They both get timeouts, to use my preschool analogy. If you think this is an issue, and clearly both do, Governor proposed something, and... Voss said he's got a similar plan, to so the governor's plan is DOA, whatever. Sort it out, folks. If you think it's important, put it out there so we, the public, because our interests are certainly at stake here, it's our money, right? The money, by the way, that you've held on to now for several years, which you keep saying you're going to get back at some point, still waiting for that. Anyway, after the break for news, Tracy Johnson will join us. Lots to talk about. Speaking about the Brewers, she's part of a new coalition to uh, try to find a pathway to make this happen. We'll, We'll talk with Tracy after the news, which is next, right here on WTMJ.
0: Breaking down the biggest story, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at The Avenue. Here's Steve Scafiti.
1: Welcome to 10 o'clock hour, broadcasting live from The Avenue Studios on beautiful downtown. In downtown Milwaukee, beautiful Wisconsin Avenue, in the great state of Wisconsin, I know we have listeners everywhere, everywhere but we're going to focus on something really specific. Now, in studio with me, so people that I have a lot of respect for, a lot of appreciation, because they're hard-working people, they, they get stuff done. They they are both very well-dressed, I, I must add. I
8: am? <laughs> yeah. Big day today. Come Omar Sheikh,
1: he of Carnivore fame, he of Third Street Market Hall, and many other ventures that we've known and come to love in Wisconsin. Tracy Johnson, who's my, one of my fill-in hosts, don't tell anybody my favorite Philano. Oh. It's Who out. is also pres oh by the way, President and CEO of CarW. And because this is what we're gonna start talking about, two of looks like about a ten member home crew coalition trying to tell the rest of us why it's so important that we make sure the Brewers stay here. We renovate and improve on the great facility that is American Family Field. And you got a nice list. We, we could have probably had Peggy Smith from Visit Milwaukee come in too, because she's not that far away, and a lot of other great folks that are kind of what I call the thought leaders of Wisconsin. I'll start with you, Tracy. I know why this matters. Obviously, a big Brewers fan have been for my entire life since I was a kid, and they came in, in 1970, and my dad took me to games. But the business sense of this is, is that is that what this is? Well, and it, 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 sports
8: is business and economic impact really affects all of us. And, you know, you don't want to imagine a world without the Milwaukee Brewers. This is barely, it's
1: it's not Milwaukee without we, we the Brewers. We did that in the 60s and it wasn't that great of a Yeah, time.
8: I, I mean, the economic impact of the stadium, of the income tax from the players. Think about all the ancillary uh, development. Think about all the money we get from people who don't live in this state. This is a huge, huge issue and a huge, huge, important impact for our
1: economy. So, Omar, we we have the announcement yesterday, the the Home Crew Coalition. What are our goals, short-term, long-term? What are we trying to accomplish here?
9: I mean, the main goal of the coalition and us forming the coalition is just to keep the brewers here for generations. It's it's that simple. Um, Short-term means a lot of work, a lot of grassroots. I mean, you know, we're going to have to round up a lot of leaders around the state and and educate people. And, you know, um, I mean, losing the brewers is just not an option. Do you think like I do that this is this is something
1: that's going to happen but, we, but like everything else in Wisconsin we have to like you know put our arm behind our back and you know twist in these agonizing poses to try to get things done is that what we're talking about here
9: Yeah I mean nothing nothing is easy these days right and so like Tracy and I have kind of been involved in these types of things and it's, it's not an easy path um, but you know we really have to get this done with bipartisan support And um, again, it's just really not an option to lose the Brewers.
1: Tracy, you're connected, as is Omar, with everybody. I mean, politics, business, obviously real estate for you. What's the sense? What are you hearing from thought leaders slash business leaders slash real estate folks about this idea?
8: I think people are very optimistic that it will get done. I actually think that many legislators are optimistic that something will get done. I think Omar's point about bipartisan support. I mean, this is this shouldn't be about politics. And I think that most smart minded people think that way. And they understand the economic impact. Uh, They understand that this is one more opportunity for us to really work together and become stronger as a community to support such an important asset. And just like Omar also said, nothing worthwhile is easy. You want it to be a little more, uh, you want more skin in the game, and you want more people to come to the table and make the plan better.
1: As you both know, when you do a talk radio show, you, you've both been on enough that there's always the other side. And the other side seems to be, at least if I'm getting a sense of it, is what about the taxpayers? You know, what about us? You know, this is a private company. But we, I think we all understand it's more than that because it impacts, as we said, the, the economy of this area and the
9: state. So when you, when you hear those responses, what about us?
1: What are we getting out of this deal? I mean, how do you answer that question?
9: Yeah, I mean, you know, f- for me personally, I've met so many people and families all throughout Wisconsin because the Brewers draw statewide, I mean, you know, and which affects all the hotels because the series and people are staying and hospitality and whatnot. Um, but going further, I mean, they draw all across the country. I mean, a lot of the posing teams bring people in and, and you know, spend a lot of money in our, throughout our community. But beyond that, like if you go during Brewers games, right, and you go to the upstate Wisconsin um, All across the place, you're seeing brewers being played on the TVs, and you're seeing them drawing crowds to watch the games as well. So it's really something that they've really been impactful statewide.
8: And don't forget about the construction jobs that are required to maintain and to improve the stadium. We were talking earlier offline. I worked for a contractors association, a union contractors association that was involved in the construction of the stadium, the original Miller Park, and... You know, it was such a, an awesome thing for Milwaukee to have. We never thought we would have a stadium like this. People see it from California, and they t- travel here. They see it from other countries, and they travel here. It is a huge tourism boost for our state as well.
1: One of the things I hear uh, on the text line occasionally when we talk about the Brewers and, and American Family Field and, and the idea of maintaining this facility is, have, have, do we have a well-thought-out plan on how we're Actually, going to do that because a lot of people have said, "Why is this something that keeps coming up?" And I would argue just the age and the and the wear and tear in the stadium. Right? They don't last forever, but that argument comes up a lot. Why are we constantly asking for things?
9: Yeah, I mean that's that's more of a question for the Brewers. You know, we're we're, we're a coalition. We're formed to really focus on the present and the future. Our job is just to make sure that Major League Baseball stays here in Milwaukee for the next generation. So um, that that is not something that the coalition. Should be answering.
1: You think the Brewers have the right message for fans? I mean, are they telling the right story?
8: I think they are. I mean, they're they've always been our team. It's it. They've always said your Milwaukee Brewers. This isn't the Milwaukee Brewers. It's your Milwaukee Brewers. I remember they made that little change in the way they talk about the team because we we. It's, it's not like the Packers where we own the team, but they really wanted that sense of ownership. And the Brewers are out and about. They live in our community. Our coach lives right up the, from here. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's, it's our team. And I think that people are very willing to consider all these options because they they love the brewers
9: or yeah i mean for sure great point by tracy and remember i mean they're employing thousands of people every single year but one thing that we didn't talk about is the brewers community foundation which tens of millions of dollars move through there um and hundreds hundreds of organizations have you know really been assisted by the brewers community foundation over the years all throughout wisconsin
1: we are joined in studio by Tracy Johnson, president and CEO of CarW, Omar Sheikh from Carnivore and the fabulous Third Street Market Hall, which takes some of my money every week, not every day, but it's uh, fantastic. And if you haven't been down here, I always tell people, if your last experience was the Grand Avenue, get in a car. It's easy to park. Go walk around. It's, it's pretty incredible. We're going to talk about some of that stuff after the break because I have two thought leaders from our community and, frankly, in our state, so let's let's sift through some of the other big stories that we uh, we like to talk about in Wisconsin. We'll do that after this on WTMJ. A lot let's of interviews this, market. lot of interviews this uh, half hour and next half hour. We'll be joined by Doctor Sandra Hunter from Marquette University and friend of the show, President Mike Lovell will join us as well. So lots of interviews. So during the basketball game, he's going to be on. No,
8: okay. he'll <laughs> be recorded. It, oh, right? okay. I was like, he should be in New York.
1: But it'll sound amazing.
8: Oh, sorry. Did I just He's let visit. out the secret? Yeah, Tracy,
1: <laughs> Miss, Miss Radio Person. Come on now. All right. All right. Um, Omar Sheikh, Tracy Johnson, of course. Um, let's talk about some fun stuff. We have an RNC coming to town. We have a presidential debate, apparently, right? Everything works out. Candidates agree. All that stuff. What else is happening? Potential all-star game in Milwaukee, maybe in 26, sounds like.
9: You're probably interested in that. Oh, yeah. We all are. <laughs> yeah, that'd be huge. I know the Bucks are championing that. I know in the past it's been tough because we don't have that JW Marriott, that convention center type hotel, or a Ritz-Carlton and things of that nature, but I know the Bucks are championing that, and let's, let's, it would be huge for our community.
1: All of this stuff's exciting. So what does that mean, though? Because people always ask, well, like, all right, so I live in wherever. I live in, you know, Sullivan. What do I care? Well, how do you answer that?
8: Well, the economic impact is is economic impact and it affects all of us. And the one thing I kind of the word that I use to describe commercial real estate, especially in downtown Milwaukee, especially in Oak Creek or any thriving community is is momentum. And when you see one company take that leap or make that decision, other companies follow. I was just uh, I did an interview earlier this week and they were asking about Pfizer, Milwaukee Tool, Northwestern Mutual. What's the sauce? And you know one of the things that's unique about Milwaukee is is they had all of these things in play before covid-19 and and what they did before the shutdowns and during the shutdowns is they kept going they kept pressing on because they knew that we would get through and so there's a, a great story about resilience and then Obviously, business leaders who just believe in what Milwaukee is. And it's because of these these different nodes of activity, the Pfizer Forum, Third Street Market Hall, MSO, and making it easy to come down. You mentioned parking. Don't forget to mention that you can get a parking voucher. for, So it's like two or three bucks to park. This is not a barrier to checking this out.
1: You know, I, was, I had a uh, dinner with a friend I hadn't seen in 30 years, and he, he's from Buffalo, and he came to town. Buffalo or Milwaukee have some similar characteristics, sort of the same size. Um Milwaukee doesn't have an NFL team, Buffalo does, but we have the Packers, which is Wisconsin's team. But you think about the scale of the, some of the things we're talking about. We had the DNC until the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. and then we got the RNC. That doesn't happen in cities anywhere. I don't care if you're in Los Angeles or New York. You're not getting both usually. That's, not, that's kind of a rare thing. They picked Milwaukee. Now, obviously, we're a, a political hotbed, <laughs> center of the political universe when it comes to presidential elections, but that's a nice get twice, and then you throw in the other stuff. There's a lot going on here that's positive.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously politics does play a role in that. But I also believe that hospitality and people always say that we're punching above our weight. I don't think so. I think we've been world class and we proved it. And I want to give a shout out to Peggy Williams Smith. Mm -hmm. She's been a monster beast. And so, you know, not many people can say that they've won two conventions in a row. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if Peggy would appreciate be calling a beast, but she <laughs> she, she loves that. she actually loves it because a beast is a big compliment.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know yeah. what you meant. She is, a I mean, she is a go getter. Oh yeah, and she's been on our airway, airwaves. and and see that's the story I like to tell people. You know, I can and I've done it. I've, we, we, there's some things we have to focus on, right? Racial injustice, economic inequities, those are real things, yeah. and we're not doing great in those areas. But at the same time. Part of the way we, we address those problems is by making the rest of the stuff work really well and let people know this is a, a great place, to use a cliche, on a great lake. And I think the more people that know that, the more exposure we get on this big stuff. Then we can launch that next phase. I mean, do you agree, Tracy?
8: Yeah, 100%. And and everything you just talked about, these beautiful buildings, these awesome conventions. We mentioned Peggy uh, William smith but Omar and... Other business leaders who just say, okay, guys, we have an opportunity. We got the team. Let's go do this. Everything in this community, in this state is about the people. And if we all pull in the same direction, we can get it done. We literally can get anything done.
1: The downtown piece is exciting for me. I always want, I've never worked in a downtown until GKB located us right here. We're on the west end of the Third Street Market Hall. Beautiful facility. Love working, love coming to work here. That downtown piece. We can't say it enough. Business is coming back here. As a as a restaurant op- operator, as somebody who's involved here at the Avenue, this is the best news possible. Companies saying, you know what, we're going to come downtown. That's great news for our city.
9: Yeah, no, I think it's it's been kind of the it's been kind of a little bit of secret sauce with the food halls that we've been able to, um, and really, it's you know Josh Krisnak, but lease up the building here because the, the food hall really attracts and retains young talent. But it's so vibrant here and such a fun place that, you know, I mean, it's, there's so many great things. Let's talk about Milwaukee Tool. You know, I had dinner with Steve Richmond last night, and what a great guy and great leader that, uh, you know, he was dedicated on really moving it here downtown. serve, Kohl's, I mean, so many great things. Bucks and Live Nation are doing a 4,000-person 4, 4, concert venue a couple blocks away. Convention Center is going to be completed at the end of this year. I mean, yep. West of the River is on fire.
1: Yeah, the, the development that we've seen, even in the context of a pandemic and a <laughs> recession, if that's what they're, is what we're going to call it eventually, that shows there's power in Milwaukee, some strength business-wide. I'm, uh, I'm going to give you um, like a minute to talk about Third Street Market Hall. I understand the power of it. I understand the coolness of it. Tell people what it is, because a lot of people don't know what it is.
9: Yeah, no. I mean, you can go on the website, uh, 3rdstmarkethall.com. Um, you know what? What we wanted to do is just have a, a hyper-local, um, you know, incredible food hall that ele- have elements of gaming here, too. Shuffleboard. Kids can play Nintendo. There's bags. top golf, Selfie Museum, bags but also just really really wanted to focus on our great culinary. You know, we have a lot of great chefs that are in here. We have 50 person central bar and actually we're just in phase 1 of phase 3. There's so many other things coming here.
1: I didn't know that. But but the bar is kind of like a hub. Yeah. Right? And everything spokes out from there all the great restaurants and throw a couple names up. Well, there.
9: you know, I mean, I, you know what what's really worked though is like we for me, I have a family. In, in Milwaukee, there's not many things to do for people to really hang out family-wise. Come here on the weekends, it is packed with families. And as it gets a little bit later, 6, seven, eight o'clock, you know, the younger crowd comes in and the drinking crowd comes in. It's fun.
1: And I can't stress to people, the parking is easy. Yeah. It's attached. Mm-hmm. You simply, if you want figure it out, go up to the second floor or go down the first floor, walk out, take the stairs down, whatever. And then you're exposed to how many restaurants are in here?
9: Uh, Fifteen right now, 15. but we're going to have five more. Within, you it's a know, brand new next, one right outside yeah. our
1: glass window coming up soon.
9: Vietnamese restaurant going there, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love it. You got you got something you want to add?
8: Yeah, well, it, what you're talking about is is these leaders who believe. And you were talking about the, the momentum and things like that, but it's also good business. These leaders who run these huge companies and these restaurants – wouldn't be doing this if this didn't make good business sense. And so I think you're starting to see more and more of that, even with the talk of you know work from home and hybrid and all of that. I think Milwaukee is a, a city that's ahead of a, their time, and it's also defied a lot of the the numbers and uh, the situation across the country in terms of activity in their downtown Milwaukee. I think
1: Peggy would be, if she's listening, and maybe she is, nodding her head in approval. What, yeah, I, you, what I, you both just said. All right, we'll, we'll take a break. A little bit left with Tracy Johnson, Omar Sheik on WTMJ from the Avenue Studios in Milwaukee. All right, we have fun conversations during the break, too. With Tracy Johnson, president and CEO of Car W. Omar Sheikh from Carnivore and Third Street Market Hall and many other ventures in, in our community and our state. Um, closing thoughts quickly, because we got to get the news here.
8: I can't wait for March Madness. This is my favorite time of year. Go Marquette in the tournament.
9: Yeah, great team this year. Yeah. I can't wait for opening day. April 3rd, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm check
1: that out. Yeah, April third, I'll be broadcasting yes. live, and always we got the great interviews as we always do. I, I cannot wait for that. That's
9: yeah, always. I mean, a, you know, time. it's I grew up a Brewers fan, family taking me there. I'm taking my family there. It would just be great to have it here for generations, for all families to enjoy the experience. Omar Sheikh, Tracy Johnson, thanks for coming in. After the break for news, here we're going to be joined by
1: President Mike Lovell from Marquette's of the Marquette. Great basketball team, men's and women's, by the way. And Dr. Sandra Hunter on long COVID and some of the great research being done. That's all coming up after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to WTMJ. I, I'm fascinated about COVID. We haven't talked about it in a while, but long COVID is something that a lot of people are talking about in, in terms of all these different things that are happening to people after they've had COVID. And we have great guests today. He always is a great guest. President Lovell, Mike Lovell from Marquette University. Welcome. Thank you. And I wanna make sure I get this correct because you have a long title. I'm only gonna read it once though. From Marquette, Dr. Sandra Hunter, Professor in the Exercise Science Program, Department of Physical Therapy, and a Director of the Athletic and Human Performance Research Center at Marquette University. Welcome to you.
10: Thank you, it's great to be here.
1: And everyone will recognize you have an Australian accent. I do. So And I love that. I was just telling you, I from was Sydney. watching a show the other day from Sydney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Doctor, I'm going to start with you. So obviously everybody has gone through the COVID experience, the pandemic. We're still trying to sort out these things. You look into the research associated with COVID and long COVID, mm-hmm. even working with the first reported case in the state. Is that correct? Correct. So how, how, how did that happen?
10: Well, you know, back when the pandemic occurred and we all thought it was going to last about three months, and to be honest, I thought when I first started this study... We'll be back to normal by the fall. Yeah, absolutely. This is This a big waste of my time. Right. Um, in April, I was thinking, what are the long-term effects of COVID? My niece in Australia got it. She was a singer. I was, I was wondering what was happening to her lungs and what could we do at Marquette, given the amazing facilities we have in the Athletic and Human Performance Research Centre, that we could capitalise on this. So... By October, after research had started to um, re-emerge um, at Marquette, we started a study where we brought in people who'd had COVID um, at least two to three months out after they'd had COVID and um, also controls, people who hadn't had COVID. Now, this was at a time before vaccines were around. Um, we, also, we extended this study for about a year and a half and we managed to test about 130 people about 90 of those with um, COVID or some had had COVID and at least 40 or so that hadn't and we really wanted the controls to compare these people to who had COVID to make sure that we're controlling for you know, increased anxiety with the pandemic um, loss of activity with the pandemic and it wasn't just a pandemic issue we really wanted to nail down what were the effects so of what COVID. what
1: did your research show you
10: well we were we looked at things like physical function and cognitive function we threw everything at the wall that we could imagine because we didn't know the types of tests that we should be uh, assessing but we measured lung function uh, aerobic fitness um, strength, uh, with, you know, so to determine whether someone had weakness, pain, um, cognitive function to determine if uh, anxiety, a whole bunch of different uh, studies. We also interviewed people to determine whether the lived experience, so we can sort of capture that, which you can't often capture with um, physical function tests. And what we found is that of the 90 or so people that had covid 56 percent of them predominantly women still had some sort of symptom that was associated with covid and that some sort of um you know whether it be fatigue uh loss of taste and this was we had people eight months out on average who was still experiencing some of these symptoms um, of long COVID. Is there a, is a, a more common symptom that you saw amongst your patient group? Yeah, uh, fatigue was probably the prominent one. Also, loss of uh, concentration, ability to concentrate. So um, how did that
1: manifest, like when they were just reading? or
10: Yeah, they forget things, um, can't hold concentration for a while. Also, exercise intolerance. So we exercised these people and determined, you know, what was their heart rate at certain um um certain workloads and we found heart rates were elevated their ability to take in oxygen they had they uh they uh, needed more oxygen um for a given workload which was highly unusual so at the moment now oh they also they also um experience more pain during movement so and some you know it was a real dichotomy some people got better and it was as if nothing had happened but what we've just been able to tease out is that as those people who were more severely affected in the acute phase of covid that were most affected were so more COVID.
1: serious symptoms inactive COVID have Correct. more things going on yeah. later.
10: And the CDC um, is now showing that. They're also showing that people with long COVID, those who are most susceptible, are not only those who had the most severe symptoms to begin with, and particularly those who were hospitalized, um, but also those people who um, had some sort of underlying condition such as diabetes or heart disease, and also the unvaccinated. So they're the ones that are suffering long COVID.
1: And President Lovell, I know you you guys love doing research at Marquette. It's what you're known for, and, and including external research. So, from what I understand, you've doubled the um, the investment in that kind of research. Why is that so important to Marquette and, and to frankly all of us? Yeah. Well, first of all, <clears throat> research is a real differentiator for
5: Marquette among the 27 Jesuit schools. We're, we're second, you know, in the amount of research that we do, and, it, and it's important for several reasons. First, uh, like. Dr. Hunter here, it helps us attract the best faculty from across the country to come to Marquette. And uh, it also, which helps our overall reputation, it also provides a, a really a high impact experience for our students. So many of our undergraduate students do undergraduate research and we know the correlation between a four year graduation rate and, and doing undergraduate research is the highest, you know, among all activities students can do. And finally, uh, as you're hearing from Dr. Hunter, we really want uh, to be able to make an impact on society, helping solve the biggest problems facing challenges, whether it be COVID, whether it be uh, cancer, whether it be diabetes, whether it be MS, you know, we're doing research that is going to impact the lives, hopefully, uh, for decades to come of individuals.
1: President Mike Lovell from Marquette joining us, also Dr. Sandra Hunter. We talked about COVID. What's some of the other stuff, the cool, cutting-edge stuff you're working on in your research? The research.
10: Well, I've just uh, landed a couple of large grants with some of my colleagues at Marquette. One is on aging; um, that's been funded by the National Institute of Health, and also another one on pre-diabetes. But as Dr. Lovell was saying, you know, we are trying to address some of the most pressing problems, and certainly aging with an aging population is one of them, and also pre-diabetes. Um, we've these grants where the problems we're trying to address are why do older people. Um, fatigue more quickly um, particularly in their leg muscles you know it affects daily life getting out of a chair getting upstairs being able to exercise and also one of the um, things we found is that people with pre-diabetes now pre-diabetes really crazy stuff it's the precursor to diabetes and a third of adult americans have pre-diabetes 80 percent of them don't know they have it And what we found is that people with pre-diabetes, you know, elevated blood glucose levels, um, our diet doesn't help, the American diet or the Western diet, a third of adult Americans have pre-diabetes, that precursor to diabetes. And it's at a stage when it can be uh, stopped from progressing to diabetes, where there's a lot of medications required. Um, and 80% of people who have pre-diabetes don't know that they have it. So this is a real opportunity. So what we're doing at Marquette with National Institute of Health funding yet again is to try and understand why people with pre-diabetes fatigue more quickly. And one of the measures we're looking at is to um, exercise uh, both older people and people with pre-diabetes and to see you know the protective effects of exercise, particularly strength training. Um, and some of the, um, there's there's a new technique called blood flow restriction, uh, which is used in a lot of clinics now, and we're looking at the effectiveness of that on people with pre-diabetes and also older adults.
1: Let's do this, let's take a break. I'm fascinated by our conversation with uh, President Mike Lovell from Marquette, Dr. Sandra Hunter talking about long COVID and other important areas of research. You're listening to WTMJ. Welcome back. We're talking to Dr. Sandra Hunter, professor in the exercise science program at Marquette and, of course, President Mike Lovell. So when you talk about things like diabetes, obviously you're researching what happens to the human body when you're suffering from that. How much of that is on us? Because I I was talking to a doctor on the show not too long ago. So there's our behavior versus what science and technology can do. So they're both important. Do we we can't just rely on science technology, we also have to, as human beings, step up and acknowledge these these behaviors aren't working for us. Is there research being done on that piece of it? Yeah,
10: yeah, and that's part of what we do. You know, the cornerstone treatment of diabetes is diet and exercise. And there's a reason why diabetes and pre-diabetes has become a huge thing. Anyone born after 2000, um, is very likely to get diabetes. Like at least a third will progress to get type diabetes. And that's because of our diet and our lack of exercise. we become so sedentary. And um, our the diet, you know, full of sugars and fats. Um, so, yeah, behaviour is huge. And that is the predominant way to battle or at least prevent prediabetes and diabetes. So science can certainly try and help and medicine can help treat it but um, it's much better to do the behavioral things that we need to do to try and prevent it.
1: Yeah, that's really the point of my question, because we have all this great science and technology and cures, sort of. Mm. But if we don't step up, we're in this weird period where we, we can't solve these things.
10: Absolutely. It's kind yeah. of like
1: the vaccine for COVID. Unless you're willing to get the vaccine, you put yourself at risk yeah. to get COVID. And potentially, if we if believe what the vaccine folks tell us, Dying in a hospital somewhere. Yeah. So that, that is always the interesting part for yeah, me. Yeah, and you've got to
10: be intentional about it because it takes effort. We get busy. We're at computers. We've got our phones. We're sitting down, hunching over them. And um, you've, just, you've got to be intentional about exercise and diet. It actually takes effort to do those things well.
1: Yes, and we all, we all can benefit from that. So yeah. I know part of the, the interesting thing about Marquette is the great people that work there. But the facilities the buildings matter as well. And I, I wanted you, President Lovell, to kind of talk about some of the new things that are happening there, including in, in these areas.
5: Yeah, and one of the things we're very, very proud of is the, the athletic and human performance research center that we brought along a couple of years ago. And we really built around some of the strengths of the people on the campus to so people like uh, Dr. Hunter, previously uh, Dr. Bob Fitz, uh, and it's allowed us to not only do great research, but also attract great people. And uh, we have a new faculty member who just came aboard, Jacob Cabin, he's just an amazing, and he specifically said he came to Marquette because of this facility uh, that we have in place. and. And as you heard from Senator, we are now garnering, you know, multi million dollar federal grants because the research is happening in the facility. And, and in, in terms of reputation, I was just in there a few weeks ago. I was giving, actually, ironically, I was giving my friend from my high school's son and him a tour. And he was, he, was, he was in town, my friend was in town for the National Speed Skating Championships because his son's a National Speed Skater. Right. And we were in the HPRC, and lo and behold, we not only run into the head of the speed skating, but we run into the head of the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team. And the team was actually in there, and I asked him, well, why are you here? He says, because you can do things and measure things and do research that nowhere else in the country can do. Wow.
1: That's not a bad thing.
10: (laughs) It's fantastic. It's a fantastic facility, and Dr. Lovell is uh, absolutely spot on. You know, we've been able to attract really first-class faculty as a result. We have so many studies going on in the um, Athletic and Human Performance Research Centre. So we have a a research space, about 5,500 square feet that's devoted to that, and then there's obviously the training facilities and the offices and some locker rooms for the athletes. Uh, but it's a really unique situation because often they're really siloed you know academia and research and and um, athletics they're very siloed on a lot of campuses but this is really unique now as a result we've actually been able to partner with some of the athletes we do a lot of testing within the uh, research facility the research um, area on the athletes we do strength testing on them but we also do um, testing on people not only on the elite and the student athletes but on clinical populations because the vision that we created when we first created this facility was um, that we're really committed to transforming lives by optimizing athletic and human performance across all ages and abilities because that you know that's 99% of us. Uh, We want to optimise performance of the person who's just had a stroke and optimise their ability to get across the street, Um, optimise the performance of someone who's just been diagnosed with diabetes or cancer. And so some of the studies that we have going on in the AHPRC is um, African-American prostate cancer survivors. We're partnering with the medical college on that. Um, As Dr. Lovell um, mentioned, Jacob Capen, who's looking at mid-career athletes, um, you know down the road they 've gone out they 're out of college and now they 're suffering all these injuries, and what 's their health like and sometimes it 's not fantastic, and so he 's been able to um, really uh, try and understand. he 's starting a whole bunch of projects um, looking at that we 're looking at one of the really cool projects that we 've just got funding for from the National Institute of Health is a project to understand the effect of exercise in helping kids with speech and communication disorders. And that's from someone from speech therapy who's um, partnering with myself and a couple of other exercise physiologists. Because I threw out the, the idea, well, if we can help people with cognitive decline with exercise, um, and their brain um, function. Why can't we help kids who are still developing with these speech disorders and their brain development? And why can't exercise help them? Because usually a lot of these kids who have these speech disorders, these communication disorders, are really they don't exercise much. Um, so we're doing one of those cutting edge uh, studies um, through the National Institute of Health. There's, there's a whole. Uh, array of different studies that we're doing.
1: Amazing stuff. I was going to ask you if you utilize that for the success of your basketball programs, men or women's, because yeah. they're doing out you know, fantastic. Yeah, year.
5: no, we're having great years, but no, they actually, both in terms of um, if preventing injury, in terms of recovering faster from injury for, for these players, um, you know, the, the scans they can provide, you know, the, actually they, all the data that they generate, because they wear chips and everything that they do. And so we know their workloads and we can predict when they should take a day off or when they should only do a walkthrough rather than a full practice. It's really, it's really amazing. A fun one to kind of wrap up. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: You both run triathlons. Love them. <laughs>
5: Seriously. <'cause laughs> I,
10: hate them while we're doing In my them. <laughs>
1: earlier days, I ran marathons. I don't do it now. But, oh, my I mean, word. Tell me hard. about, I mean, I, obviously, I know President Lovell's been here a bunch of times and talked about that, but what what's the interest there?
10: Uh, I used to be a physical education teacher. Really? It's always been in my blood. But I just did an indoor triathlon yesterday. Tell me, and, tell me what that is. Uh, that's a triathlon. You know, you can do them in the Wisconsin because it's. <laughs> you, uh, you have to do them indoors. Right. So you swim for ten minutes, and you like how many laps can you do? So a condensed, version. Yeah, very condensed. And then you ride for you know twenty minutes, and then run for ten minutes on a treadmill. Ah, uh, fifteen minutes on a treadmill, and it's like you add up all the scores. And,
1: uh, so what does that
10: do for you? I mean, you're you're an uh, academic,
1: but you're also a triathlete.
10: Yeah, it's a really great distraction. <laughs> <I can imagine. laughs> I can imagine. I love the training. Uh, I love the community that um, is around the triathletes. And the, um, yeah, there's a great community of uh, triathletes around here in Milwaukee. Yeah. And it's just great to. And we
5: mentioned Jacob Capon. Oh, yeah. also, uh, He's also a national level triathlete as well. So he there's is. a club here.
10: Yeah.
1: There's one point in my life I would have aspired to that, but uh, I think that yeah. point's over. But you never know, especially with research like yours. Yeah. Uh, pleasure, as always. President Mike Lovell from Marquette University. Dr. Sandra Hunter, professor of the Exercise Science Program. Fascinating stuff. We exactly. went long, but, I mean, this stuff just interests me like crazy, and uh, especially the long COVID thing. I mean, yeah. let's just really quickly, 30 seconds or less, I mean, are we moving in the right direction? Are we understanding long COVID?
10: Yeah, definitely. There's so much science being done behind it. And, you know, it kept being like, well, it's going to be ending three months is a big waste of time but it's not i mean i looked at the stats today and three to four hundred people died yesterday in the u.s from covid that's crazy it is still with us and um, we're looking at whether exercise can help
1: dr Sandra hunter president mike lovell pleasure to talk to you as always thank, thank you. you thank you You're listening thank to you. wtmj
0: it's time to talk about the topics that were vague that's what she said <laughs> ha! I don't get it. It's time to talk about the topics that were hard. That's what she said. Or he said. It's time to talk about the topics that had us saying... That's what she said. It's time for... That's what she said. (laughs) No, it's time for that's what Steve said. I just say
6: it to lighten the tension when things sort of get hard.
1: Oh, thank you, Steve Carell. I never get tired of hearing that. And thanks to the folks at the Mineshaft Restaurant. We have a nice prize... For one of our lucky contestants today, joining us on the phone line from the beautiful city of Cedarburg, Christine. Hi, Christine. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful on this uh, Thursday. Uh, Let's meet Raymond from Milwaukee. Hi, Raymond. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. Raymond, we'll we'll let you go first, and then we'll uh, let Christine jump in. Tell me about Raymond in 30 seconds or less. What do we need to know?
6: Um... I'm a father of three from Milwaukee. I also am a, grand, uh, a grandpa of a three-year-old and soon
2: to be a second grandpa. Nice. Um, and I work full-time in Milwaukee, and
6: I recently just moved to Oak Creek.
1: Well, how about that? My favorite city, Ray, is saying the right things. Let's see if he guesses the right things after this. Christine from Cedarburg. <laughs> Tell me about Christine. What do we need to know? Hi. Um, I do
6: hospice care and home health care for the elderly. And uh, I do gardening. I've called you several times about your tomatoes and sauce. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we do have a bee garden on our uh, trail to try and keep the bees and the native birds and everybody happy.
1: You guys are living your best lives. I love that. Either of you have a thought on Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets? Just kidding. (laughs) I like hockey. Oh, there you go. Nothing <laughs> like out <of> the loop. <laughs> Nothing wrong with hockey. Maybe maybe we <laughs> should get we should get a hockey team here. All right, Christine and Raymond, I ask five questions. Five questions that I say could change your life forever. Well, that may be an overstatement, but it's five questions called from my show Real Things that I said. Each of the five questions has three possible answers. Only one is correct. Christine, you are up first. Three possible answers. Only one is correct. Earlier this week, I played a clip from a guy who's trying to lose, get this, 50 pounds in six months by eating only McDonald's. What did I say about my thoughts about the best way to lose weight? A, two things really matter. Feeling hungry before you eat and eating slowly so your body and your brain catches up with your stomach. That's A. B, How about instead of eating two double cheeseburgers, you just eat one, Do you really need two, or C, I bet this guy gains weight after six months. Let's be real here. What was the right answer, Christine from Cedarburg?
6: Oh, gosh. I think it's C.
1: Christine says C. Raymond, what say you? I'm saying the letter C. All right. You're both consistent. But you're both wrong. Here's what I said. But couldn't you do the same thing if you cut every meal in half? You cut whatever you're eating. I had one bowl. If you cut that to a half a bowl, I would guess over time you're going to lose weight. doesn't have to be McDonald's. It could be anything. And yeah, feeling hungry before you eat, two things really matter. Feeling hungry before you eat again, sure. But also, eating slower, and this is the problem I have. Eating slowly enough so your body or your brain catches up with your stomach. Bringing science to the show. There's some real science. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not, unless I... Act like one. All right, Ray, you're up. So you're both zero and one after the first round of questions. Question number two: Big news story. Mexico killing of two Americans in a northern county of Mexico. What did I say about traveling to Mexico, Ray? Listen carefully to three possible answers. Only one is correct. A, seriously, other than cheap surgeries, is there anything I get in Mexico that I can't really find in the U.S.? B, just a thought. Perhaps traveling to Mexico for cosmetic surgery in an area that's not safe is probably not a great idea. Or C, look, I love their food, and who doesn't like a sandy beach, but is it really worth your life? Ray, what's the right answer?
6: I'm going to go with uh,
1: B. Ray says B. Christine, what do you say? I say B also. Oh, you are both very consistent, and this time, well, let's hear it. Just a thought that You know, perhaps traveling to Mexico for cosmetic surgery in an area that, by the way, is not that safe. is probably not a great idea to, what, save money? Probably not a great idea. And I don't want to beat up Mexico. They get beat up enough, trust me. All right, so both of you are one and one, which takes us to question number three. has to do with the city of Chicago, their recent election for mayor, the primary. Christine, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was dumped by the voters of Chicago last week. What did I say was the reason? A... Regular people are going to start doing something about the things that elected officials can't seem to to find the time to fix. B, apparently runaway crime in your city isn't the best way to reinsure your election. Or C, maybe the citizens of Chicago have enough of bad sports teams, constant traffic jams, and poor leadership. Christine, what's the right answer? Oh, boy. I'll go with uh, A1. All right. Christine takes A. Raymond? Uh, I'm going to go with... uh... Hey. <laughs> now we're gonna. The tiebreaker is gonna come into question. They keep guessing the same thing, but we'll let you go because on this one, Christine and Raymond, smart choice. And I think the decision at this point, since we're, we still have a general to, to happen in Chicago, and we'll, we'll see who wins that key position of leadership in one of America's largest cities, is that regular people are gonna start doing something about the things that elected officials can't seem to find the time to do when it comes to fixing the things that ail us in in our society oh i don't know and crime sort of a big one all right christine and raymond two and one going to question number four ray you're up first raymond i should say i had some harsh words for elected officials this week most weeks i do especially in their relationship with the truth what did i say was it a find me a politician who cares about the truth you have a better chance of winning the powerball for pete's sake B, they're all the same. Two things matter to them, holding on to their power and getting benefits the rest of their life that all of us have to pay for, or C, politics is entertainment. That's not going to fix our problems. Matter of fact, it will make them worse. What is the right answer, Ray? B. Ray says B. Christine? I say B also. All right. All right. Let's hear what I said. All of this stuff is political window dressing. Snake oil salesmen and women trying to desperately hang on to whatever power they think they still have. Politics as entertainments, that's not going to fix our problems. Matter of fact, it'll make them worse. Very clear, very declarative, and uh, for both of you, very wrong answers. All right, two and two. Fifth and final question, if that's what Steve said, and thanks to the My Chef restaurant in beautiful downtown Hartford for the $30 gift card to one winner. And if you guessed the same answer on the last one, we're going to go to the tiebreaker, which is not easy. So let's go to question number five. Christine is up first. We talk a lot about elections and politics on on this show. It's, of course, election season in Wisconsin. Isn't it always election season in Wisconsin? I think it is. What was my smart take on the local TV debates with their live audiences? Three possible answers. Only one is correct. Christine is up first. Ray is second. A. It doesn't add to anything. It's the lazy part of local news, the part I don't like. What else you got? We've seen this a million times. Stop doing this. B, if we had actual real debates, maybe I would watch. What we get is orchestrated press conferences devoid of anything close to real debate. Or C, the last time I cared about a debate was in the 1980s. If you weren't alive then, you actually missed some real debates. What was the right answer, Christine from Cedarburg? Oh,
6: boy. Let's go to the last one.
1: Christine says C Ray what say you? I'm gonna say a. Ray says a I think Ray's gonna be a little happy here. Play the music. I know why they do it. It's part of the the you know the hype of a an event Oh local station whatever host of this debate we invited our selected guests and at some point we may even take a question i get a question from the audience i get all that it doesn't add to anything it's it's the lazy part of local news the part i don't like it's to me it's the equivalent of shoving a reporter on a freeway overpass in a snowstorm what else you got we've seen this a million times stop doing this all right raymond from milwaukee you are a winner three correct answers very close to the record which is four christine thanks for playing along Thank you, you guys rock. All right. Thank keep you. up the keep up the great work in that in the hospice care. Raymond, stay on the line. Producer Brandon will get all your important information. You will receive in the mail a beautiful thirty dollar gift card from the Mind Chef restaurant, beautiful downtown Hartford. Don't forget Thursdays at the Mind Shaft. Buy one pizza, second one free. How good is that, Raymond?
6: That sounds really good. Thank you. And uh Thank you to my contestant, Christine. Uh, she did a very good job.
1: How diplomatic. Raymond is a all-around good guy. He's our winner of That's What Steve Said on this Thursday edition of my show. We're just giving away stuff like crazy. How about this one? I surprise you when I do it. I don't do it at the same time. I used to always do the 10 o'clock hour, but why do that? Why mix it up a little bit? Forget about it. Um, elegance. Graceful. Tremendous style, musical style, all class. Patty LaBelle, how would you like to go see her at the Riverside Theater May 20th? Pair of tickets. Second to last chance to win this week. We generally have giveaways every week. This is one of the good ones. Obviously, uh, they make good on that performance it was canceled uh, a while back for someone being stupid. We know that. But this is the cool part about this. Great songs, great style, pop standards, the spiritual stuff that she'll, she'll perform as well. Here's your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Patti LaBelle, Riverside Theater, May 20th. Caller number 7 to 855-616-1620. Caller number 7 to 855-616-1620 will win a pair of tickets to the Riverside Theater May 20th to see Patti LaBelle, the awesome, outstanding, amazing Patti LaBelle. And kudos to her for, for coming back. Just like Boss, he had that bomb scare in 1974 or whatever it was. He came back again. He's been back since, but just a tremendous, tremendous concert. And you will enjoy Patti LaBelle. One more chance to win. That is on tomorrow's show. All right, let's take a quick look, he says, as he grabs his mouse and pulls up the, the duel or dueling, I should say, show polls of the day. You can find him at 620 WTMJ on the old Twits, or Twitter as it's formerly called. You can find it on my Page at WTMJ Steve. Give me a follow if you could. Zooming past 5,000 followers. Thanks to each and every one of you. Thanks to all of you for listening as well, because we know there's a lot of choices here and elsewhere. And I appreciate you taking the time to find this show. So I I did kind of a cultural one and then a kind of a fun one. At least I thought it was fun. First one, today's poll. New polling research suggests, and I'm going to talk about this with Carol on Monday. Americans view the word woke as a positive term, 56%. Hmm. Are you woke enough to believe that? And I put a link to the story on my Twitter page. Um, That's funny, 29%. We should all be woke, 38%, currently the leader and the course. And woke is the new hip, that's just dumb, 24%. Votes now on that poll. Looking at my other fun poll, also a topic that I will discuss in detail on Monday's show. Of these three characters, and I want to preface this by saying I'm not necessarily using the term cult in a negative way. You can make those connotations if you want. And in some cases it fits. Because if you listen to the show, you know where I fall on all three of these individuals. But that's my opinion. This is asking you. Who has the biggest cult-like following? Tom Brady. Tucker Carlson. Donald Trump Raise your hands in radio land Whether that's live radio The stream Podcast eventually Who you think is going to win this one Would you be shocked If I told you it's probably not going to be Tom Brady Although I would argue And I may spend a minute or two talking about it The cult like fascination With Tom Brady Overlooking some pretty interesting Character flaws My opinion Remember Deflate Gates? Did he cheat? Maybe. He destroyed his smartphone for some reason, which may have had, may or may not have had incriminating evidence on it. Remember him shilling for cryptocurrency? How'd that work out for him? Remember him taking a million dollars of pandemic dollars for his company and not giving it back? Just a little Tom Brady explanation there. Uh, Tucker Carlson. He had the Fox Not News Network, who basically his entire program now is to find the most outlandish lie he could possibly ever think of and then make that his talking point. And that's the classic example of politics as entertainment, which leads me to the last choice, Donald Trump, who's getting 83% of the vote, by the way, who looks at elected offices, specifically the office of the President of the United States, as a personal... Checking and savings account where he can benefit himself, benefit himself, and not necessarily benefit all of us, the citizens of the United States. So, vote on my Twitter show poll, dueling polls today. If you're not on the Twits, you can send me your answers on the old national bank talk and text line, which, as you know, is 855 616 1620. We'll break some new ground on a different talking points after this on WTMJ. I ask if you deliver. You guys are voting like crazy on our dueling show polls on the Twitter. 620 WTMJ or WTMJ Steve. Jack from Caledonia on the old National Bank talking text line. Trump has the biggest cult following. Trump will win because Trump wins everything. All right, Jack. I'll remember Jack from Caledonia. We'll, we'll have that conversation. It's going to be a while because it's not until 2024. But I will remember that text. And we haven't had a text of the day yet. We have to get, we have to get a text of the day. The, uh, the competition's fierce. And as I said, we're we're moving towards a daily text of the day and then a text of the week, which may or may not have some financial compensation attached to it. I'm just going on a limb here. I know folks are working hard to make that happen. How exciting would that be? Come on. Uh, let's see. Sam says, no Democrats like Hillary in the cult list? I put other, you can add whoever you want. Make the case. Hillary Clinton, should she be in there? The cult of Hillary certainly was there in 2016, right? Everybody, Rachel Maddow. All the network talk, even the conservative talks were saying, oh, this is Hillary, there ain't no way Trump's going to win. And, of course, Trump won. That was the immense power of draining the swamp back then. It's, of course, been drained and refilled and polluted since then. So we shall see. All right, after the break, I'm throwing this out here because I'm, I've had this on my list. I have a, a group of topics that I, I've wanted to talk about I just because of breaking news and, I, and sports and all the other things. And, boy, believe me, we are an Aaron Rodgers watch. We go full bore if that happens. Come on. We have to talk about it. So it's a simple idea that's been in, in place for a long time. You see it in healthcare a lot. Uh, I think there's some other ac- occupations that are actually doing this as well. And it's the four day work week, generally 410s, but some, some of them have modified it to be, you know, four days, 36, so you actually work less, get paid the same. That makes sense economically and from a business sense. But there's a growing sense the trend is companies test the four day week, and after they test it, they don't want to stop doing it. So. We all have grown up, most of us, with the five-day work week, and some people work more than that, and some people work different shifts. I get all that. But traditionally, it's a five-day work week. You work eight hours. You may may or may not get a paid lunch or a lunch break. Are you a fan of the four-day work week? I Obviously, I wouldn't because I work five days a week, and I love doing the show five days, Monday through Friday. Now, you haul me in here on a Saturday, I might have a different attitude. What do you think, Mike Spaulding?
11: I'm a fan of the four day work week because I'm here longer. I mean, most people are at work longer than eight hours anyway. So if it's just at an extra two hours, that to me, that makes sense. You drive a little bit less. Now, I do worry would that kind of throw a wrench in what we consider the quote unquote weekend these days? Yes. Because someone's going to, not everyone can work Monday through Thursday and then you have a weekend off. Some people are going to have to work Tuesday through Friday or something along those lines. So I think that that would kind of throw a wrench maybe in plans that people have. But, Yeah, why not, you know? I've worked it. Sign me up. Yeah, Yeah, see, I'm with you. Yeah, it's amazing. But obviously,
1: I would need you on the fifth day, so that's not going to happen.
11: I will be off. (laughs) It would be like a podcast more, where you just have a producer, they assign you a producer, and... I don't know if that would work for what we do here. Radio. I'm getting a
1: sense that you've had conversations about this no, away I'm from the just, show. Is that what I, I'm
11: hearing? Am I, I hearing correctly? I like to look towards the future a little bit.
1: All right. So maybe potentially breaking future news from Mike Spaulding, who is uh, now here <laughs> to bring the news, which is my fault very late, said 1132,
11: our breaking news center, our guy Mike Spaulding. Thank you, Steve. From offices to apartments, a 35-story building in downtown Milwaukee sent to be sold to a local developer this spring, and those offices will then be converted into apartments. 100 East Tower, located along Wisconsin Avenue near the river, the Milwaukee Business Journal says that entire building will be converted into apartments. Gruber Law Offices and the Marcus Corp. are both tenants in the building and exploring options, they say. To move Russia, launching a massive barrage of missiles and drones that struck residential buildings and critical infrastructure across Ukraine. The attacks uh, this morning killed six people, left hundreds of thousands without heat or electricity and knocked out a nuclear power plant off the grid for several hours time now for some news about your money and the wtmj annex wealth management market update the dow's up right now 13 and a half points at 32,811 the s&p 500 up three points at 39.94 the nasdaq's up 20 points at 11,596 from the wtmj traffic center things are looking pretty good out on the roads this morning no major incidents no major delays across the system Traffic is sponsored by Design Exchange in Heartland and Pewaukee. Design Exchange is where discerning buyers with discriminating tastes come to find premium home decor on consignment at 25 to 40% off retail prices in Heartland and Pewaukee. (laughs) Your WTMJ five-day forecast, mostly cloudy skies. Some snow showers will begin to move into southeast Wisconsin later on this afternoon. It'll be breezy all day today, a high about 40 degrees. Overnight tonight, mostly cloudy skies. Snow set to begin about 6 p.m., a low of 31 degrees. Tonight we'll also be getting a winter storm warning for much of southeast Wisconsin. We have more on this storm at WTMJ.com. Snow will stick around through Friday morning. Breezy as well, a high 35 degrees. we expect about 4 to 6 inches of snow for most of southeast Wisconsin. Possibility that some places near the lake could see about 10 inches... At the most. Saturday, mostly sunny skies, a high 36. Sunday, snow, breezy as well, about an inch of accumulations likely. High 37. Monday, light snow, showers, breezy, a low, or a high of about 35 degrees. In Milwaukee right now, it's 38 degrees. I'm Mike Spaulding, citing Unlimited WTMJ news. to 1134.
1: A lot of people associate the number four, especially older Packer fans with Brett Favre, but how about a four-day work week? Now, in Britain, they do it with less hours. Most of the states, most of the companies do it here, do with four tens. We'll discuss this phenomenon, this rising popularity of the four day work week after this on WTMJ. Thank you, Huey Lewis, and the news. Speaking of working, how about a four day work week versus a five day work week? So I mentioned before the break. Traditionally in the United States, if that change has happened and, and for a lot of reasons, efficiency, some, some of the reasons, space, coverage. American companies have, have traditionally tried the four 10-hour days. And that has gone very well. And I got some texts that basically say the same thing. Now, I was reading a story about a test in the U.K. 61 British businesses, from banks to fast food restaurants to marketing companies, gave about 3,000 workers a paid day off during the week. So they still paid them for the five-day work week. And the test in the U.K. was to find out if they still got their work done, however they defined that work product, whatever their individual roles were, were, did they get that work done. After the test, many of the companies stayed with it. 18, just after the test said, we're we're making this permanent, according to the study's organizers. So my question is, could we see this shift in our country? And and again, acknowledging that it happens in some, I think in the medical field it happens, in some of the other other key industries and sectors. It's already happening. Perhaps in uh, some of the public safety jobs. I'm not sure about that, but I'm sure there's some ways they've crafted some unique work schedules. What do you think? 855-616-1620. A couple quick texts, and then we got uh, Sam uh, on the phone line. Uh, from the text line, I worked retail. This is from 262. I worked retail 16 years, weekends, days, and nights. Last eight years, I've worked four 10-hour days. Free weekends and nights. Love it. There's somebody that's actually doing it. Uh, Steve from West Bend sends me a picture. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. John, against a four-day work week. It takes at least five workdays for most of our society to do four days of true work. That's from John. Sort of a pessimistic look at it. From the 414, I worked rotating 12-hour shifts, one week off every month, 80 hours of holidays plus 240 hours of vacation. Well done, you. Uh, Let's see. My bigger point here is that Americans look for more reasons to not work and work less, and our competition is becoming more productive and powerful. A point that I think Sam from McHenry is also going to make. Hey, Sam, welcome to the show. Happy Thursday.
12: Happy Thursday to you too, Steve. Um, Many years ago, I worked for a company who allowed us. They said, you know, you guys want to do this summertime only just to be nice. Let us have another day in the summer. We had to hustle our butts off because there's customers calling for product. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we did it 10 hours a day for four days back to the normal hours when the fall hit. But we couldn't let productivity suffer. So now we're in an era, if you know, if a private company wants to do this, at their advantage or their peril, let them do it. But when the government comes in and says you will do it, plan on inflation like you've never seen. And I'll take that discussion right into healthcare. care. How are you going to figure that out with health care? People can barely afford health care now. And now you're going to throw that monkey wrench into it? And you're going to tell every company in this country that's short on help right now where you, everybody you talk to is looking for good people. They can barely get through the week now. Now the government's going to come in and say, you only got four days to do it. Where do you think inflation is going to go?
1: Yeah, good stuff as always, Sam called from McKenney. At this point, it's not a government's decision. It's private companies deciding they're going to do this. And if a private company wants to do it, as Sam just said, yeah, knock yourself out. His company tried it. And you have to work hard. The work doesn't go away, folks. The work's still there. You've got to get the work done. And the fact that you have maybe the same hours in the U.S. model or less hours in the U.K. model, at least the 2,900 companies that tried this, that that's an interesting dilemma. Work product got to get done, got to keep the customers happy, and yet you want your employees to be happy. Now, the other wrinkle on this, the other twist is because of the pandemic – and all the changes, all the wrangling we had to do to figure out supply chain, just the reality of people going to, being able to go into work. We saw the rise of remote work, remote learning. Didn't work out so good for the remote learning. The remote work side, hey, not too bad. Matter of fact, a lot of businesses in this country still do that. And the interesting thing about that twist is it allows people, if they're completely flex- flexible with the remote working, to live anywhere in the country, which, if done correctly, my little pitch for Wisconsin here could actually help us fix some of our worker shortages uh, I think it's Tosha is it Tosha from Germantown
6: Hi Tasha
1: Tasha, welcome hey, what do you think
6: So. Yeah, well, I actually, when I had little kids, my boss gave me the flexibility to work four days, and I had Fridays off to be with them and have less daycare costs, and I crammed a lot in, in the four days. I feel like I was highly efficient, and now that my kids are in elementary school, I'm back to a five-day work week, and it, it feels, I don't feel like I get as much done, even in five days. It's, it's kind of incredible, so I'm, I'm all for the four-day work week.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a weird one, though, so you, you get an extra day of the work, but you're not as efficient.
6: Right. I mean, I feel like I probably get about the same amount done, but yeah. I don't know. It's questionable. Could
1: you, know? you could you pick the day that you were off, or was it like Friday or Monday?
6: I picked Friday, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about it. It was sort of a, a, the day of the least amount of meetings, so it kind of worked in our work culture for that to have my day off and not miss as much. Um, wow. so I think that's why it works so well, too.
1: Three-day weekends are nice.
6: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I still call Thursday my first Friday. So, there you happy go. First Friday.
1: You got the best attitude. I love that. Thanks for the call. Um, let's just, we'll take a break. I we'll got Jeremy on the line. Got a lot of texts as well. The four day work week, is it four tens or four eights? And if it's four eights, you're getting the same work done as you did in 40 hours? That's our conversation. Join us 855 616 1620. That is the old National Bank talking text line.
3: Wag, 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 the four-day work week is
1: talked about a lot of the United States. Other countries have also had tests. Seems to have gone well. Will it work here? What do you think about it? Jeremy joins us on the phone. He's on the road. Hey, Jeremy. How are you doing, Steve? I am wonderful. So you, you're currently doing this, this exact thing that we're talking about.
2: Uh, yeah, the wine and spirit industry I work in, uh, we work four 10 hour days. We have off on Mondays, gives our sales force the opportunity to, uh, get orders placed for the upcoming week. So it's worked beautifully. I've been in, uh, I've been doing this for almost 20
1: years now. So you've been doing the four day work week for 20 years yep wow so i mean you're you're ahead of the curve so what are the what are the best things about it and obviously having a monday off after a weekend especially like super bowl weekend would probably be a pretty cool thing because you can you can still get some work done at home but you're you're at home so tell me the tell me the positives
2: i i like you just uh, kind of hit on the biggest one was that i have a day of the week that i can get all my errands run doctor's appointments things like that uh you know, I, I, it does kind of hurt, uh, you know, when you're getting towards the end of your day and it's been maybe 10, 12 hours and you're, you know,
1: What's, what being out start there a little time? later than you might want. What's your start time?
2: Uh, I start at uh, 6 in the morning.
1: That's a long day.
2: But there are some, there. yeah, but I mean, once I'm done, I'm done. I'm not on call or anything like that. So that's always a positive
1: all right, so 20 years, so you you probably wouldn't like going to, back to a five-day work week. I can't
2: imagine going back to a five-day work
1: week. <laughs> well, then don't do it, Jeremy. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. I mean, 20 years, significantly ahead of the curve. you got to love that, right? Uh, I got a ton of texts on this. I see somebody's queuing up on the phone line as well. Um, 262, if I get my mouse to work. Here there we go. I have worked a 4-day work week for years. Love it. I would never go back to working 5. Now I need to find some place where I can work 3 days. Yeah, let's not get crazy here. The work has to get done. Uh 920. This is only for office personnel. Can't see factories. It was it was also for fast food restaurants? That was in the in the original um test in UK. Can't see factories going along with this. I don't know. If it, if if the work gets done, you know, there, there are some elements to this story that people don't always focus on. For example, you have to heat a workspace, light a workspace, energy consumption. Some companies provide lunches for their employees, all of the corollary things that are involved with having a workforce. If you only have to do it four days instead of five, work still gets done or even improves in efficiency. Hmm. Why not? Rob joins us from Milwaukee. Hey, Rob. Hey, how you doing?
7: I'm good. Yeah, I'm at a 10-hour, 4-day. I, I love it. I'm a truck driver. And uh, the way it's set up with our company is we work, we rotate. You know, this week I was off Wednesday. Next week I'll be off Thursday. The following week I'll be off Friday and Monday. So every five weeks you got a 4-day weekend.
1: So do you like that rotating off day?
7: Yeah, I love it because i make plans for doctor's appointments or whatever it is I need to do in advance, and the only thing is you lose out on money.
1: How so? Oh, the, yeah, less hours?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I lose about $1,200 a month because if I'm working five days, that's what I'm going to collect in overtime. So Got it. you lose the 1200 you know, but, you know, you know, I can make ends with the 40 hours. Are, and you know and get that day off? So how are the truckers
1: doing it's out a there? The
7: thing, you know, if, you, if you're not greedy for the money.
1: Yeah, how are the truckers doing out there?
7: Uh, it's a it's a little slow. I mean, a lot of. I mean, that's why they they set this schedule up. They put ten drivers on this schedule because things have gotten slow. There's been a lot of CC days where you can write your name down and get a day off, paid or unpaid. So it's it's it slowed down quite a bit. So hopefully it'll pick up, you know, soon.
1: But All right. Keep doing the great work, man. I appreciate the the job that truck drivers do in this country is is completely underappreciated. And some that we, uh, in an occupation, we should have a lot more respect for. Um, Let's see what the texters have to say. Um, Some love for the program. Thanks for that. Uh, They enjoyed the segments earlier with the uh, uh, Mike Lovell from Marquette. I got a lot of great feedback on that segment. So we'll bring her back. Dr. Sandra Hunter was brilliant, is brilliant. And um, her topics... Risk of disease and certainly long COVID or something we're going to revisit at some point. So thanks for the great feedback on that. Um, from the 414, I work seven days a week hauling milk. Employer can't find help. That's the other reality that I didn't get to. Some businesses, some sectors don't have the luxury. And some industries are really, really suffering from a lack of people willing to do that work. That's probably the biggest challenge. The next challenge we're going to have to face. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna go to break. After the break, we'll hear what Jeff's gonna talk about after this.